Hey, Jay, have you heard about BustedTees.com? I mean, I set up our account and I've bought shirts there, so yeah. Just, I'm, I'm trying to do a promo. Just just work with me here, okay? <sighs> okay. Tell me about BustedTees.com. Gladly. They sell pop culture and geek-inspired apparel, accessories, and more. And their stuff is awesome. You like Star Wars, Jay? I do. You like video games? Yeah, I do, yeah. Harry Potter? Yeah, I do. Star Trek? Yeah. Humorous tees in general? Yeah, it's funny. Some badass socks, cups, hats, Uh hoodies, a bunch more, all that stuff? Why, yes, I I do like those things, Matt. Well, then you know what you should do? You should head over to BustedTees.com and shop all their cool gear. And at checkout, put Jason25945 in the discount code spot. You'll get a nice chunk of change off, and it helps us out to boot. That's BustedTees.com. Discount code Jason25945. BustedTees.com. Designs that pop culture. presentation well hello everyone and welcome to the mixtape i'm jason emmett and uh i'm just here to intro this interview we did this is steven rosen i'm going to tell you a little bit about steven and why this is such an amazing interview steven has been a music journalist for almost 50 years and has talked to everyone which you were going to hear in this interview He's an amazing man to have a chance to speak with, and I really hope you all listen and enjoy this as much as we enjoyed speaking with him. If you are a music fan, a guitar fan of any kind, this is the dude you want to pay attention to. And one of the reasons we had him on is we wanted to promote his new book, Tone Chaser, which is his relationship with Eddie Van Halen. And it's a book that is written in such a way, it's not so much a biography, as it is a personal insight into Eddie and the way that he felt and and some of the things he did and his personality. So please enjoy this interview. Please go check Steven out online. You can find him steve.rosen.guitar.pics. That's P-I-C-K-S over on Instagram. We're going to put some stuff in the show notes as well where you can go to buy a copy of the book. I know we mentioned it, I I think, in the interview, but if not, I want to hit on it. Or the second pressing of the book is out because the first pressing sold out. You can pick it up on Amazon, I know that. But if you head over to his website, you'll be able to find stuff there. And there will be links in the show notes. Highly recommend if you're a fan of Van Halen 
or just classic rock in any way, shape, or form, you go over and check out Stephen Rosen. He has a bunch of stuff on YouTube, interviews he's done with all these people over the years. And listen, man, the story of his first interview, which was Joe Cocker, it's worth listening to this interview if nothing else is, but it's there's so much more. It's amazing. We had such a great time. We want to thank Stephen for coming on the show. We want to thank you guys for listening. Please share and like and tell others about this interview and go check Stephen out online. Uh, that's it. Let's go ahead and kick off our interview with journalist Stephen Rosen. What's up, gang? Jason Emmett here. We're about to give you our social media information with a quickness so that you can contact us and be a part of the show. First, we have a website, themixtapeshow.com. Head over there, find out all the good stuff you want, links to everything, interviews, playlists, places you can leave us a review. It's all there on the website, including direct links to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. We also have a phone number, and you can leave us a voicemail. You should leave us a voicemail. That number is 513-437-2377. Easiest way to remember it, 513-HE-RAD-77. Hey, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I don't know if you're listening through iTunes or Pandora or Spotify, it doesn't really matter. If you could take like 30 seconds, click that little review bar, we would greatly appreciate it. We love you, so please, it helps. Please share the show with your friends. We would greatly appreciate that as well. And that's it. That's all I'm giving you right now. We're going to go ahead and kick into this week's episode. We love you. Gotcha. Cool. How's it going today, sir? Very good. Just uh, got back from the post office and shipped out some more books, and that's always good. Well, we're excited to talk to you for a few minutes. I was uh, was glad when you reached out, and, and uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you on the show. You're, you're right up our alley, man. <laughs> you're our favorite kind of people. So um, we'll take a few nice. minutes to uh, to fill everybody in on who you are and what you do, and uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about the book, and then we'll ask you some strange questions that we ask everyone. So. <laughs> All right. Um so I want to take a moment to fill our listeners in on your background in journalism. Um, how and when did your whole career get started? I actually began writing, if I can remember this far back, I actually began writing for a uh, my high school newspaper. I went out, uh, you know, and took journalism as a senior at Culver City High School and um, got on the paper. And, you know, typically a high school, a high school paper, everything's got to be sort of school-related. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to write about music. So I, I approached uh, Mrs. Carpenter, the journalism teacher. I said, listen, I'd like to write about music. You know, I'd like to go out to clubs and maybe review shows and review records and do that type of thing. And she said, okay, okay, you could do that. So that's what I started, man. I started doing that. And, and uh, what I did was I actually reached out to a bunch of clubs. I reached out to the Whiskey and the Troubadour. Uh, back in the day, there was a club called Golden Bear, uh, which is down sort of like in Huntington Beach, uh, sort of south of L.A. There was actually a club out in uh, Pasadena, which probably wasn't that far from where Edward was living, uh, called the Ice House. I'm in all these various clubs. I said, listen, you know, I'm writing for my high school paper, and, you know, 1,700 students go to Culver City High, and they could all be coming to your club if they, you know, knew what was going on. So let me come by and review some shows. So I started doing that. Um, that grew into me sort of sending out reviews to different little local newspapers and stuff. And I had uh, a couple of live reviews printed in this 
it's like a softcore porn newspaper. You know, you <laughs> get them out of the out of the little you know kiosk newsstands. You know, sure. And you typically buy that. You know, you'd open it up to the back page and look for the massage ads, right? <laughs> you weren't you weren't you weren't reading the L.A. Star to uh, glean any insightful musical analysis. But I did a couple of reviews. And then you kind of, you know, kind of um, leapfrogs. You kind of use that and say, hey, I wrote for these guys, you know, can I write for you? And I started writing for the L.A. Free Press, which was an underground newspaper, actually a very hip newspaper, pretty famous. And then uh, in 73, I started writing for a guitar player and Cream and Circus. And it was really a wonderful time to be a, a freelance rock and roll journalist, man, because all these magazines were just being born. You know, I mean, print was around and. Um, you know, they were looking for outside writers, kept writing, uh, you know, um, uh, started writing for some Japanese magazines, some European magazines, wrote some books along the way, uh, wrote a book on Jeff Beck, his first biography, wrote a book on Ozzy, uh, Free and Bad Company, book on Prince, Springsteen, a uh, book on Randy Rhodes, um, and my most recent book uh, on Edward Van Halen. So, you know, man, it just kind of, you know, catapults, you know, hopefully you've got something that people want to read about and an editor wants to print and, um, you know, you kind of just keep reaching out and hopefully the, uh, you know, the spigot doesn't get turned off and there, <laughs> they, they, there's a need for freelance writers. And, uh, you know, in, in over 50 years of, of, of writing, I never had to take another gig. So, wow. uh, Yeah. Most people, it's pretty cool. Yeah, most people cannot say that. So that's that's pretty impressive, just by itself. Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> so you got start. You got started real young too. I mean, in high school. Mo I mean, I, I have two teenage kids. One just graduated. One is about to go off to college, and neither of them know what they wanted to. <laughs> so the fact that you knew at such a young age and you kind of went after it—that's that's also that says a lot. That's really impressive. That was cool, man. You know, and and I never. I mean, look. I was a I was a pretty voracious reader. I read a lot. I read a lot of magazines. I was reading a lot of books. Um, you know, I was a guitar player, so I, I love music. Um, you know, and I love to write. You know, I love writing like school papers. You know, I mean, I I, I love doing that stuff. And um, you know, so the music journalism thing just seemed like a, a natural thing. But I I never really looked on it like, well, fifty years later, you're still going to be doing this, Rosen. You know what I mean? I kind of thought well, maybe I could get some stuff published here and there, you know, and and maybe meet some guitar players along the way. But, uh, yeah, somehow, you know, the innocence or the stupidity of youth, you know, you kind of follow your nose and hopefully it leads you somewhere uh, that isn't a, isn't a dead-end alley or something, you know. <laughs> so your kids have enough time is what I'm saying to make this easy. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... I was just curious, um, in all, in all of your, your history, like, do you remember who your first interview was that, that really kind of kickstarted everything? Or is that just kind of something that got lost to time or Matt? No, Matt, I remember that all too painfully clearly. And, um, <laughs> you'll understand why it's a painfully clearly memory. So out of high school, I went to Europe with a buddy and we hitched on hitchhiked around Europe you know, uh, hitchhiked around the UK, you know, this is like 70, late 72. So, you know, back in 72, you could do those kinds of things, man. You know, we right. slept in Hyde Park, 
and you know we slept near Big Ben and um, you know we slept in tobacco fields in Italy. I mean it was it was an amazing experience. And that same newspaper I told you about, the L.A. Star, the music editor there, Mark Yandel, somehow had these contacts with all of these English publicists and management companies. And he said, uh, he knew I was going over to Europe. And he said, look, why don't you be our correspondent for like three months, which is how long my, bro- my buddy and I went. And he said, you know, see if you can line up some stories, some interviews, and send them back to us and we'll print them. And I love that idea, man. You know, I could be like this foreign correspondent. I mean, hell yes. So he had the name of Joe Cocker's publicist. I remember this so clearly. Max Clifford. We, were, we we went to the continent first, and then we came back to the UK. And I think we were sleeping out in Hyde Park somewhere, man. So we'd go and find, you know, one of the, the red phone booths, you know, and I'm dialing this number, you know, and hi, can I speak to Max Clifford? And who's calling? Oh, my name is Steve Rosen. I'm a, I'm a journalist from the States, you know, thinking they're going to hang the phone up like, who are you, dude? You know, and so Max Clifford comes on the phone, and I, I try to explain to him, Max, I'm I'm over here with a buddy, and I, I just started writing, and, and I was just wondering if there might be any way, you know, to interview one of your artists. He goes, yeah, I have Joe Cocker, and <laughs> Joe Cocker's here. You, know, you want to come interview Joe Cocker? And I go, you're kidding, you know? And it's like the next day, I'm sitting across the table from Joe Cocker. I had brought my little cassette player with me, and how I had the foresight to do that, man, is, you know, wishful thinking at its best. <laughs> And I'm sitting across the table from Joe Cocker and I'm looking at an empty page because I hadn't prepared questions. I didn't know I was going to interview Joe Cocker. I love Joe Cocker. You know, I knew a lot about the Grease Band. I love those records, you know, um, but I didn't know what to ask him. You know, so I think I asked him something about um, um, with a little help from my friends, you know, Jimmy Page and, and all those amazing musicians on there, you know. And we just started talking, and I was asking him, I guess, about influences and stuff. And it was unbelievable. I can tell you I was so, I was honestly, man, so terrified that, (laughs) you know, you have to, like, go outside of yourself and say to yourself, you are not sitting here talking to Joe Cocker. This is not happening. Let this other guy, you know, continue this conversation. And, I, you know, I get through the conversation, and the next day I, I... interviewed a band called Smith, Perkins and Smith. They were like this English band, pretty amazing band. But what I did, and this is where the painfully clear memory comes in, I recorded over the Joe Cocker interview on that. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I thought, well, man, I'm probably not going to be doing many interviews. And, you know, do they even have cassettes over here that work on an American cassette player? I didn't know, man. I was a moron. And I think about that now, and I want to jam a fork in my throat. But um, that was the first interview, man. That was um, unbelievable. Let me fast forward just a little bit. A couple of weeks later, I meet Tony Brainsby. Tony Brainsby was handling this new band called Queen. And he said, hey, man, I, I'm working with this new band called Queen, and I've got all four guys mm-hmm. in the studio or in, the, in my office tomorrow. Do you want to come by and interview them? And I'm thinking to myself, Queen, oh, man, that sounds like a glam name. I'm not, a, I'm not into glam bands. No, Tony, I don't want to come and interview Brian May and Freddie Mercury and Roger. 
I just shoot me, you know. <laughs> but he was also handling <laughs> McCartney, exactly. He was handling McCartney on that first um, tour McCartney did. They, they had that bus, and they drive up to a university as, uh, you know, Bill Smith and the, you know, Penguins, and go in and play gigs at lunchtime for the a university audience, you know. And he said, you want to interview Paul McCartney? I mean, what, do you, what am I supposed to say? So my buddy and I take the train up to Birmingham from London, which is about 100 miles, see uh, McCartney with wings, which is unbelievable. I'd never seen the Beatles. And then afterwards went backstage, and it was, um, it was a little bit of a press conference. There was a bunch of writers there, a bunch of these really heavy writers from Melody Maker and NME. I mean, I knew these guys by name, and I'm sitting there amongst them, you know, thinking, this is not happening, you know. And I don't think I could open my mouth. And I think I asked him one question, you know, which is, of course, what question would I ask, not knowing what else to say? Hey, Paul, are, are the Beatles ever going to get together? You know, and he made some nice comment and didn't throw me out of the uh, backstage. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Paul. But, um, that was pretty amazing, man. That was a pretty amazing experience. So I have to know, did you have you ever had the opportunity since to sit with any of the members of Queen? Uh, good question. Um I did. I've actually interviewed Brian cool. two or three times. And I think I may have reminded him about that <laughs> moment. I, I don't think he remembered. He goes, oh, yeah. Said, oh, yeah, you're the guy who didn't want to come interview us. He didn't say that. But, um, uh, yeah, he's the only one I ever uh, I interviewed. Well, uh, you know. A very cool guy. Very nice guy. That's their, their queen. And I actually ran into Joe Cocker. Uh, I'm sorry, Jason. Uh, at, a, at some party. And I said, Joe, you were the first person I ever interviewed in my life. He goes, oh, really? He thought that was cool. And I told him the year. He goes, oh, wow, that, that was a long time ago. You know, the party was in the 80s or something anyway. But, um, well, it's not a bad uh, way to start. <laughs> not a bad yeah. way to start at all is yeah. with Joe Cocker. Yeah, Queen yeah. is one yeah. of my all-time favorite bands yeah. uh, in the world. So the fact that you and, uh, sat uh, down with Brian Don't take May. offense to this, but uh, that, that little technical issue kind of – makes ours not seem that bad. <laughs> we have them all the time. <laughs> yeah, we have technical issues all the time. We, we have done similar I don't think we've things. Ever recorded over something. Uh, but, no, yeah. but we have forgotten uh, to record uh, before. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, things happen. I cannot believe I did that. I just, <laughs> oh, God. We did an entire interview with someone once, and I realized that the last two minutes, luckily I had audio, but we had forgot yeah. to hit video record. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's nothing you can do at that point, so... So you, you roll with so it. So my first, one of my first very big interviews is Jeff Beck. Mm. Uh, in late uh, 72, he would become the first story I ever wrote for a guitar player and was also a cover. So I'm sitting there with Jeff, and Jeff, Jeff is my all-time favorite guitar player. I think he's the greatest who ever lived. Uh, Eddie is certainly in the top five, but Jeff, I, I think, is the greatest there ever was. So I'm sitting there with Jeff and trying to maintain myself, and he's talking, and he's being very cool. The tape comes to the end, and, you know, I, I rewind a little bit just to make sure the levels are okay, and there's nothing. Mm. And I rewind a little bit more, and there's nothing. I hadn't hit record, and he's watching this whole episode, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. He's going to kick the, <laughs> you know, the newbie journalist out the door. My whatever career I thought I may have had with guitar players over, you know. He said, oh, man, it's okay. It's okay. Come back tomorrow, you know. And That's we'll cool. Go over it. You know, let's continue from here. So. I've had my shares of uh, technical glitches for sure. That's cool, though. It's it's <laughs> really part of it, you know. I mean, it's fun to get to talk to somebody because some of the things you're saying it hits it hits home because people have asked us many times, yep. like, 
well, how did you guys get started like interviewing people? I'm like, just sort of happened. And we didn't know what to say on our first couple of interviews either. They just sort of fell in our lap and we didn't know what questions to ask. And what's weird is we've we've been told by a number of our interviewees that, you know, we really enjoyed that interview. It was a lot different. And we're like, yeah, that's not because we're skilled. It's because we didn't know what we were doing. So we just asked the stuff we wanted to know, <laughs> like literally, yeah. like I've heard. And trust me. We'll ask you too. We'll, we will ask you too. <laughs> so, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's a sincerity that comes across, you know? Yes. I mean, I sense that the, the moment we start talking, I mean, I, I've talked to enough, not that I've been interviewed a lot, but a fair amount, you know, sure. and, and I've been on the other side of that, and, you know, I mean, I, I can tell instantly whether a guy's going through motions or he really doesn't want to be here, you know, as a, you know, guitar player or something. So, I can tell, and people can tell. They can sense that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we're talking to somebody, it's because we are genuinely interested in what they have to oh, say, yeah. and that's part of yeah. why we do it—the love. And I get that. I get that from you too. The love has always been there, and and the fact that you're like, you know, Jeff Beck is one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Like, you don't hear too many people say that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, and the fact that you get a little starstruck with these people when you're talking to them—that says a lot about who you are, as well. So. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, I have yeah, to ask. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Uh, no, and 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 you know, look, man, like I, I, I was writing literally. You know, I figured it out. I mean, if we go back to my God, late '72, you're talking about just about 50 years, and and truly, you know, um, I mean, I never got the kind of nerves I did with Joe Cocker or <laughs> Jeff Beck. But, you know, even doing phoners with guys, it was like, hey, you know what? This guy is an unbelievably good guitar player, man. And he's, he's, he plays guitar for a living, which is what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a guitar player in a rock and roll band. Maybe we all did, you know. <laughs> and my respect for those guys is just, you know, it, it's just insane. And whether they're, you know, Aerosmith or some guy slogging it out in clubs, but, but he plays for a living to me, man, that is that carries a lot of gravitas with me. And again, man, I have mad respect for those people. And yeah, sitting down with those guitar players that, I mean, I was listening to their records before I started writing. That's, I would have paid somebody <laughs> to have done my gig. You know what I mean, man? Um, we you know, can't tell that. I haven't that. made that much money to begin with, but I mean, hell man, I would have done it for free, <laughs> you know? We, yeah, we don't tell people yeah. that. We we feel the same way quite yeah. often. Nope. <laughs> yeah, nope. Matt and I both yeah. come from um, families with a little bit of a musical background. Matt, I think, wanted to be – he was in a couple of bands. He played bass primarily, right, Matt? Yeah, and, uh, mostly. I grew up in a house where my parents were Not either well, – but I did. <laughs> <laughs> my parents had a, a, a classic rock band, and my stepfather had a recording studio. So I've been oh, around cool. it pretty much my whole life, too, and so – yeah, it's like you say, I think having respect for the people that out there, because we've talked about it many times, I mean, from guys that make their living as session players, and that's just primarily what they do, and, and they're around it their whole lives to, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, these guys are out there hoofing it, and they're they're putting in the work, so mass respect for all of them, so. Um, so I have to say, I mean, over the years, right. you've you've got to spend time with all these guys, you know, you've been around them so much. It's I, I assume you've you've developed relationships with quite a few of them. Well, I mean, um, a, a few. I mean, obviously, it's uh, some have been long distance relationships in terms of you know phones, 
And then, you know, once the email and, and internet thing came about, um, I mean, I met Billy Givens. Hmm. Um, I think the, it was the second or the third record. And, you know, they, they, they were starting to do something, you know, LaGrange had been out. Um, um, and actually it was for the, the LA Free Press, the, the underground newspaper I had mentioned. And I met him and, um, we just got along really well, man. The guy is unbelievably funny. He's so bright. He knows every freaking thing there is to know about blues and, and music. And, you know, I mean, his guitar playing and his guitar tones. Oh, my God. Um, and we got along really well, man. And I probably interviewed him, I don't know, a dozen times. Um, subsequently, you know, um, he had a house in Santa Fe and he let me stay at his house a couple times, you know, it was like a rental house kind of a thing. I mean, that was just unbelievably nice of him. And it's funny, one of the times I was there, um, I interviewed him for a cover of Guitar Player. I think this is 86. And um, on the front table, like in the front room, is the issue. And I never knew, and I always meant to ask him, you know, I didn't know if he had put it there because he knew I was going to see it or it was just there that he had been reading it. You know, either way, you know, the idea that, you know, one of my stories is in Billy Gibbons' uh, house, which was cool, you know. So he's somebody that, that, you know, I really kept up sort of a friendship over the years. Steve Lukather used to live just right around the corner from me when I was up in the Hollywood Hills. I now live in uh, down in Orange County. Uh, but Luke uh, lived kind of right around the corner. And, um, my God, I interviewed him going back to the first record. I mean, I probably interviewed him every year when a new Toto record would come out. And uh, he and I uh, had a pretty cool kind of a relationship friendship i go over there a lot you know to interview him and um that kind of thing um steve Vai i knew pretty well oh wow um you know <laughs> interviewed steve many times um joe satriani um while we didn't spend a lot of time uh you know in person blowing my mind for, I think I interviewed for joe real right now <laughs> like like 15 times you know and i don't know if you saw it but joe um was the first person, one of the first people I reached out to say, Hey, Joe, um, you know, could you, would you put up a post about the book or could you say something? And he sent back a, like a video and he, you know, he's holding the book. You know, I thought, my God, that's just, you know, that's mad respect. I mean, mm -hmm. it's one thing to interview him, but you know, to put yourself out there and say, yes, this is a good book by this. You know what I mean? That, right. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. And I, you know, I, I love the guy for that. Um, yeah. These guys are legends, uh, you know, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Edward, obviously. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably a few other people along the way. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they, they, they're touring every year. A lot of them didn't live in town, you know. So um, it's a little more difficult than, sure. than I think people think. Oh, you interview a guy once and, you know, you become buddies. I mean, it's, it's not really like that. Um, but after interviewing them a few times, you know, you, you certainly have a you know, a, a camaraderie thing going on and they, you know, recognize you from a previous interview sure. and, and, you know, the type of interview is going to be that kind of thing. So, so that's cool. Um, yeah. Well, you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times and so we'll, we'll talk about it for a few minutes. One of the reasons we have you on is because you did write a book recently, uh, Tone Chaser, and we wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. This is from what I come to understand it, you know, don't just think of this as a biography because that's not exactly what it is. This is about uh, kind of your relationship with Eddie Van Halen and, and from, from everything that I'm getting, it's, it's more of 
more almost like a personal thing than it is like a biography. Like we get a little more feeling about who he was as a person. Do you, can you uh, take a few minutes, tell us about the book, talk about the book a little bit? Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's definitely correct. It's, um, it's not a biography in the technical sense. It's not a memoir. You know, it's funny. I mean, I was there and I'm writing about me being there. It's written in first person, but I never really thought of myself as a, you know, main character, but it, it just kind of, it just comes out that way. I didn't specifically sit down to say, yeah, I was there with Amy Van Newman. You know, it, it wasn't meant to be that at all, but, but that's how it came out. And yes, it wasn't going to be strictly a biography because those kinds of books have been written. I mean, you didn't need to hear again that Edward came over on the boat and, you know, he didn't speak English and, you know, and you didn't need to know that he built his own guitars and, you know, those kind of interviews have been done as well. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 and done well in, in other books. So yeah, I just started writing and I, I actually just wrote that, that first introduction, the, the, the first paragraph and, um, you know, you find a voice, you know, as a writer and, um, you know, it, it just felt good, you know, and writing in first person, I could kind of say anything I wanted, uh, you know, I was there and this is me and this is what I saw. And, for that reason, um, I wanted to write as honest a book as I possibly could. You know, I, I didn't want to lie to myself. I didn't want to lie to Edward, who is, who is still alive uh, for the first couple of months while I was writing anyway. And I didn't want to lie to the, um, to the reader, you know. I mean, I could have glossed over parts and left out the more personal parts out. or You know, that would have been an easy thing to do, but that's not the kind of book I want to sure. write. So... I would like to think that that it, it it comes out as something. I'm not saying I created this new genre, but it, it but it is a little different, you know, because it's really not a biography. It's not a memoir. I have these little bits in there that I call notes, the notes section, and in that section, it's like me sort of, you know, floating out of my body, and me looking down at this guy Steve Rosen, and, and hey, this is what this Steve Rosen guy is really thinking, and this is what he did, and this is the ridiculously stupid question he just asked Edward, and isn't Rosen an asshole, you know? So I could look at that so honestly, you know, and, you know, people really dug those parts, because it's, I mean, it's really honest, and on the other side of that, it's really an honest look at Edward, yeah. um, you know, um, and, and who he was, and, and what I wanted at the end of the day when you finished the book was I wanted you to walk away and go, wow. I never knew that about Edward, you know, and, and that's what I was hoping that's cool. uh, would happen, you know, on the last yeah. page. A lot of us were, were fans of, of Eddie Van Halen, just in general, you know, the whole career that he had with Van Halen and all that. Uh, we love him for what he did and what he contributed, but what we don't really see as fans is what he was like as a person. We just kind of get little glimpses. Um, could you tell us a little bit what he was like and, you know, any fun stories that you might have with them? Matt, you're asking me a question that took me 580 pages to answer, dude. <laughs> um, no, hey. I'm kidding. Book available now. Was, Get your copy. <laughs> exactly. He was a funny He was a funny guy, man. Um, on stage, he was Betty Van Halen. Off stage, the guy I knew, he was Edward Van Halen. Um, he, he didn't really go out a lot. He didn't really pursue 
the limelight, though he was on stage how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and he was absolutely natural up there. But when he was off stage, he, he was a pretty private person. You never saw Edward out at all these kinds of parties and hanging out. I mean, he, he was. He went out, of course. Sure. But, but not a lot. Edward had this, had this thing, and, and I believe the most important thing to Ed was respect. And if you disrespected Edward, you made him an unhappy guy. And you could say to Ed, Ed, you know, man, you, you could do a better solo than that. And it may have irked him, but he'd turn around and, and, and he'd play a better solo. <laughs> but if you didn't even take the time to listen to the solo or you didn't, you, you know, dig deep enough inside yourself, that bothered him. Um, you know, so there are moments in the book when he's talking about Michael Anthony and he's talking about Dave. Um, and look, they were obviously integral members of that band. Without them, Van Halen doesn't happen. But there were moments when he felt that they, they weren't doing their share of the lifting. And Ed, Ed felt disrespected by that, you know. Um, and I think ultimately that's kind of what led to you know, if not wholly, then then certainly um, a big part of, you know, the, the splintering of the band. Um, he was really a funny guy, man, but in a very deadpan way. I don't think he knew how funny he was, but he'd make some comment about something. And it was just so it was hilarious. I wish I could think of one of those moments. Um, uh, if you want to hear one of those moments, buy the book, buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a link in the show notes, by the way. Yes, we will. Um, um he was, he was, Ed was really honest. So he said, Hey man, I'm going to work now. You know, can you go home? If I was up at 5150, go, yeah, man, absolutely. I, I got that. I, I totally understood that, you know, um, look, you can be really, really good friends with someone. And if what they do is making music on that level, you know, there's no way you, you in any way I wanted to get in the way of that or think that, you know, I could somehow, you know, put him off course. Um, but sometimes it can be a little blunt, um, you know. Uh, he'd say things, and and not to be hurtful, but he he was just a very honest guy. And even Alex and I write about it in the books. Says, "Yeah, man, Ed's feeling something. He's going to let you know." Um, and that probably rubs some people the wrong way. Uh, Ed had no limiter on himself. He was really supportive of me. I mean, you know. I'd call him up or he'd call and, you know, I'd be bummed about something, you know, and he'd go, come on, man. You know, and it's like he would try to buoy me. And I just thought that was just so amazing, you know, and he never said to me, oh, come on, man, don't be an asshole. Or, you know, he never made me feel small about having those feelings in front of him, you know. Um, I mean, even sometimes in front of your best friends, you know, you feel funny or your family, really. You can't, you can't reveal things to your family. Um, that you that you can't maybe do to, to friends, you know. So he was always amazing uh, that way. Um, uh, he was an incredible guy. I, I think he was way more complex than people thought he was. Um, which isn't to say that Ed Ed. I don't think Ed read a lot of books. You know, um, I don't think that Ed listened to, to a lot of other music. But but he was a really complex guy. And when I say uh, you know, it took me 580 pages to try to unravel that. I mean, it, it really did. I think I got a, a pretty great picture of him. Sadly, and I don't want to give the book away, you know, things kind of happened at the end. I, I mean, there's so many more things I wanted to ask him. 
you know. And now, obviously, that's that's gone forever. Yeah. Nobody, nobody finds that stuff out. And Alex is maybe the only one who knows, you know, what was Ed like when he was eight years old? And right. what was he like, you know, playing with the other kids? And, you know, did Ed ride a bicycle? And why did you start smoking when you were 12, Ed? And, you know, what was the relationship really between you and your parents? And what were your relatives like? And did they ever hear you play? You know, Ed, why do you do so many drugs? And, you know, you know, uh, I mean, those are questions that will never be answered. So, um, yeah, man, long answer to a short question. Um, he had a lot of sides. That's really cool. Yeah. I I do want to get back to the book in a second and talk about it more. But I also want to share um, some of the other stuff you're currently doing. Uh, you have a YouTube and I want to kind of share what your YouTube is with with our listeners so they can uh, get a feel because you have lots of uh, lots of archived information and I guess you finally decided you needed to get some of that out there. Uh, you want to take a moment to kind of talk about your YouTube and uh, where the folks can go find it and what you put up there? Yeah, man, absolutely. So for the longest time, I, I, I sort of sat on my archive, my 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 library of, of interviews. I felt, uh, I don't know what the word is, protective of them. I I didn't want you to hear them. You know, they were mine. It was my moment in time. And I'm not going to share that with you, you know. And, and part of it was a, um, a snobbish thing. Like, come on, I, I don't think you're worthy of hearing my Jimmy Page interview. So you're not going to hear it. I realized how stupid that was at a point in time. And I thought, you know, maybe the people really are interested, really want to hear that, you know. And so, yeah, I, I, I put together a YouTube page or, or more exactly. My buddy Chris Bello put my YouTube page together because I don't have a clue how that <laughs> works. I mean, I really don't. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm befuddled by it. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I started going through and, and, and putting up interviews I thought people would dig. And, yeah, there's a Paige interview up there and there's a Jeff Beck interview. Um, I mean, I think there's some cool stuff up there. Um, uh, David Gilmore, I think. Um, uh, there's some stuff with Edward up there. Um, you know, and the response has really been amazing. I mean, you know, I'm really happy I did it. You know, sharing, I mean... Look, you can live in a vacuum and, and, and I could have held all that stuff in and and nobody would, would have gotten anything. And I would have been sitting on this, you know, mountain of gold, um, so to speak. But, you know, I, I wasn't getting any richer by it. But hearing the responses from people and, oh, man, I love that interview. And thank you for putting that up, man. That to me is everything. That means a lot. In answer to your question, Jason, where can they find it? I don't even know the address of my um, YouTube page, but I think if they type in Steve Rosen YouTube or Steve Rosen Tone Chaser YouTube, they'll find it. Yeah, I, I mean, th th there's some cool stuff up there. And I also want to thank um, Paul Macabesius, who helps me put that stuff up there as well. And also, if anybody's interested, uh, my Instagram page, um, which is Steve dot rosen dot guitar dot pics there's a lot of cool stuff up there uh, as well a bunch of photos a uh, bunch of um, cool video and stuff yeah so uh, 
yeah, the YouTube thing. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy I, I, I did that, you know, and, and constantly trying to put more stuff up um, when time allows, for sure. Thank you, Matt. I see that. Matt uh, put the uh, the link to it up on our screen there. Uh, it's YouTube.com slash, uh, <clears throat> what is that, C? Slash Stephen Rosen interviews. So we're going to add a link to it oh. in our show notes oh, as well. You. Um, and we do, and guys, we do follow him on Instagram as well. So you can follow, find him through us, but we're going to put links to everything because I've checked out your YouTube. This is like, you are, you are preserving and sharing music history and that is incredible. So I, I highly recommend everyone go over and check it out because <laughs> there are interviews up there with just all sorts of people. And if you're a music lover, it's, it's well worth, uh, you know, it's well worth the trip over to YouTube. So We'll add uh, we'll add links and everything to the show notes so people yeah. can find it nice and easy. But so we, <laughs> you might you might be one of the most primed people to answer these questions. Yeah, uh, as odd as it is, we ask three questions of almost everybody that comes on the show. These are sort of our fun questions, and you're going to be really fun to talk to about these because two of them happened very organically and it just kept popping up. So we just started asking everyone. So, Matt, why don't we have you go ahead and ask the questions? All right. First question for you. Have you ever met or had any interaction with David Byrne from the Talking Heads? <laughs> I have not. Never met him. Never even been in the same building <laughs> as him. That I know of. Yeah. I don't even know if I've ever seen Talking Heads live, actually. Really? Um, he, yeah, he may sorry. have been there and you just didn't realize yeah, he just it. Might he just might not have been Apparently, he just appears places. Now, the next one is kind of along the same lines. Have you ever met or had any interaction with Weird Al Yankovic? I've never interviewed him. I may have shared the same oxygen with him at some point. I, I think it was a party way back in the day, you know, and, and, and he may have been there. But that that's about the, you know, six degrees of separation that I uh, that I get, you know. Yeah, it's the same same kind of question. Just people kept bringing him up and saying, like, yeah. we weren't. They were. And we're like, okay, yeah. well, we're just going to ask everybody cover our bases. We have not had the opportunity to interview him either. Uh, we did, however, have the opportunity to um, speak to his guitar player, Jim Kimo West. He's been with him for like 30 years. So we did get to speak to him, but we've never got to talk to Weird Al. So maybe one yeah. day, maybe uh, one day. Uh, next question is probably the weirdest. Which Muppet would you be and Why? If and it, it doesn't you, have to be just one Muppet. It can be a combination. If I told you I, I, I don't really know any Muppets by name, <laughs> does that disqualify me? Nope. We've gotten that answer before. <laughs> I mean, a Muppet is um, Cookie Monster? That we'll, take, we'll take Cookie Monster. I love Cookie yeah. Monster. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. fact, a guy, I, I, uh, sort of a peripheral adjunct here, um, a guy that I've been, you know, uh, a, a friend that lives just a couple bucks away, they make their own cookies, and these cookies are so good, they go, you know, you're going to eat one, and you want to devour them all. And he was right, so I'm eating them, and I thought, Cookie Monster. So there you go. Yeah, that's a, that works. That that's works. A, that's a salient point to make in our conversation, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I do have a couple of sort of um, side stories I could provide here. Uh, Absolutely. I guess we'll have to take those. Okay, so, yeah. um, I mean, reluctantly, uh, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> so Jim Henson Studios was the old A&M Studios on the Bray and Sunset Boulevard. 
Um, and I was at A&M, God, tons of times. So, uh, you know, I may have been in the same room where all of these Muppets were, were born, at what, you know, before they were born. <laughs> and secondly, you bring up Neely Brosh, mm-hmm. the guitarist. Uh, I just reached out to her about the book. And she said, you know, yes, I'm a huge Van Halen fan. You know, I reached out to guitar players, you know, and say, hey, man, you know, uh, would you like a copy of the book, you know? It, it, you know, would you maybe help support the book by posting on your social media? And, um, yeah, she was really excited to do that. Very, very sweet. I've never met her. I've seen her play. She's an amazing guitar mm-hmm. player. And uh, um, so I'm looking forward to, to having, uh, you know, to seeing her do a uh, do a little post and maybe she should do it in a uh, – a Muppet costume. I mean, you never know, right? <laughs> yeah, she's amazing yeah. and very down yeah. to earth and very, very easy to talk to. I think yeah. you guys would get along really Good. well. And, and you know, it's funny. <laughs> I thought I recognized her last name. And I go, I recognize your last name. And I said, are you related to Ethan Brosh? She goes, yeah, that's my brother. I interviewed him way back in the day. Um, I mean, this guy is a scary guitar player. Uh, you know, it's just so funny. My God, can you imagine the genes in that family? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have yeah, a yeah, she's, she's really great. Yeah, we talked to her a little yeah. bit about him. Not a whole lot, but we did speak about him a little bit. I think you guys would get yeah. along really well because she has mass respect for so many guitar players. And she's oh, yeah. yeah. she can just talk about all her influences and all the different people that she looked yeah. up to. And it's, yeah, she's amazing. So. Um, Very cool. So I do want to tone chaser. I do want to hit it again before we we let you go. I want to make sure. I mean, it, it's an amazing uh, piece of material to share with the world. I want to make sure everybody knows where they can go find it. If I'm not mistaken, the first edition sold out. So you guys are on second edition of the book now, correct? That is correct. And and to be honest, uh, the second edition is is going really well. So. That might be gone. I don't mean it's going to be gone tomorrow, but but okay. I, I think that one will sell out as well. So um, good problem to have, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean it's yeah, absolutely. I mean I'm I'm so thrilled. Honestly, man, I never thought I'd get through. A, I was hoping I would I would sell more than you know <laughs> the first edition would sell out, but I mean it's been amazing. Uh, if I may plug it, you can find it on my uh, my website, tonechaserbook.com. One word, tonechaserbook.com. It's also on Amazon, eBay, Reverb, and Etsy. So if you're on Etsy looking for a handmade purse, go check out my book and <laughs> get a copy of my book, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, and once again, we will make sure we have a link to the website where they can buy the book oh, uh, in the show notes yeah. so everybody can go find it. Cool. Yeah, I was, yep. I was really excited when we when I found out we had the opportunity to talk to you, I, I I reached out to Matt. I was like, "Hey, man, you need to check this guy out." And Matt went and looked you up. And he's like, "Holy crap, we got to have this guy on the show." Yeah, I'm like yeah, he's amazing, and he's just. It sounds like you got to experience some of the things we are. Well, I wish we would have experienced at a much younger age, but we are slowly starting to experience now and have yeah. the opportunity to speak to all these people that we are. We are getting to speak to some of them and just getting to learn about them and everything and. You've done that, and you were sharing that with everyone. So, again, I encourage everyone to check out his YouTube. Please go check out the website. We will have links to everything in our show notes. So um should be nice and easy for everyone. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah Steve, we really – I, I, uh, I will tell you, if you just go on his Instagram, 
scroll and then just stick your finger down, you're going to find an awesome picture of some kind of music history in there. There is some great pictures. Uh, I believe there was one. It was Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth, and um, I'm blanking on the third person, but it was just like, how did these three people get in the same room? Like It was just so bizarre. And just the fact that all these people had some kind of interaction with each other and, you know, either you were there, or, you know, just kind of a part of that is kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, we yeah. really, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was great. Absolutely. Okay.